Last week we were speaking on the power of the seed of God, and that's the message of Jesus. Now we don't have to add anything to the word of God. The word of God has all the intrinsic power it needs to save and sanctify and change our life. Amen? Uh, we don't have to dress it up. We don't have to juggle. We don't have to threaten. We don't have to swear. We don't have to lie. We don't have to manipulate. We have to just speak the truth. And God changes us from the inside out. That was the message last week. Today I'm, going to, uh, I'm just going to read the same scripture as last week. If you don't mind, open up to Mark. Chapter 4. But I'm going to give examples from the New Testament of the principle that you don't have to do anything but share the message of Jesus and the Holy Spirit takes care of all the rest. Amen. Amen. So last week I spoke about the principle. Today we're going to see it in action. I'm going to read the principle again from Mark. This is Jesus. And Jesus said, The kingdom of God is, is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. That's the message. He just... He's just talking about Jesus. The man who talks about Jesus, he goes to sleep and rises night and day and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not know how. The earth produces by itself first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. We spoke last week about this principle. About when it comes to sharing faith. You don't have to act religious. You don't have to act better than somebody else. You don't have to act like you have your act together. You can be just who you are. And all you got to do is tell people what Christ has done for you. The analogy I used last week is very few people I know would be ashamed to show a picture of their family. A matter of fact, grandparents are extremely quick to show everybody and anybody the pictures of their grandchildren as fast as anybody would even ask. And if you don't ask, they're going to show you anyway. It makes no difference. And we like that. No one would be ashamed or embarrassed to show the pictures of their children and grandchildren. And it's the same thing with Jesus. When you walk with the Lord, there's no shame in sharing Christ. I can't wait to give a testimony of why my life is the way it is because of what Jesus has done. I don't have to try to convince. Get the convincing out of your mindset. We're not called to convince people. We're called to tell people, explain to people what Christ has done for us. The simplicity of childlike faith. That's the message that Jesus has given here, the principle. If you read the book of Acts, you want to have some fun this week, read the book of Acts and see how that works out. All they did was speak, and people got converted. People got healed. People were praising God. They were filled with joy, hope, and peace just by what they heard and what they believed. So I'm going to go through some text tonight to show you this principle. All you're going to see is this principle of sharing the truth of Jesus, and what happens to people, okay? So we're just going to go through, uh, I got a whole bunch of them, but if we get through two or three of them, I'll be happy about that. All right, so the first one we want to go to is Matthew uh, chapter 27, I believe it is. I think I didn't write this down. 
2732. And we're going to go through the thief on the cross. Everybody know who the thief on the cross is? Okay. He's written about in three texts. He's written about in Matthew and Mark. They're basically the same. And then Luke has a little different variation. I'm going to read both Matthew and Luke tonight, and I'll explain it to you, okay? But remember, it's the principle of the power to transform us is in the message. Okay, not how you dress it up. You're going to see this message is not dressed up at all. But let's go to uh, Matthew chapter 27 first. I'll pull it up in my text here. What's that, 32? Okay. The crucifixion. As they went out, they found a man of Cyrene, Simon by name. They compelled this man to carry his cross. And when they came to the place called Golgotha, which means place of a skull, they offered him wine to drink mixed with gall. But when he tasted it, he would not drink it. And when they had crucified him, they divided his garments among them by casting lots. Then they sat down and kept watch over him there. And over his head they put the charge against him, which read, This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Then two robbers were crucified with him, one on his right and one on his left. And, they, and those who passed by derided him, wagging their hands and saying, You who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself. If you are the Son of God, come down from the cross. So also the chief priest with the scribes and the elders mocked him, saying, You saved others, you cannot save yourself. He is the king of Israel. Let him come down from the cross, and we will believe in him. He trusts in God. Let God deliver him now, if he desires him. For he said, I am the son of God. And the robbers who were crucified with him also reviled him in the same way. Let's go over to Luke now. This is Luke's version. And as they led him away, they sized one Simon of Cyrene, who was coming in from the country, and laid on him the cross to carry it behind Jesus. And there followed him a great multitude of the people and of the women who were mourning and lamenting for him. But turning to them, Jesus said, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. For behold, the days are coming when they will say, Blessed are the barren and the wombs that were never bore, and the breast that never nursed. Then they will begin to say to the mountains, Fall on us, and to the hills, cover us. For if they do these things when the wood is green, what will happen when it is dry? Two others who were criminals were led away to be put to death with him. And when they came to the place that is called the skull, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on his left and one on his right. And, he, and Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they cast lots to divide his garments. And the people stood by watching, but the rulers scoffed at him, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself. If he is the Christ of God, his chosen one, the soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was also an inscription over him. 
This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who were hanged railed at him, saying, Are you the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Let's pray for a moment. Father, we thank you for the salvation of this criminal at the last moment of his life, Father. God, with his last breath as he was hanging there, bleeding to death and, and, and suffocating to death, God, he, he had enough will to ask for pardon. God, what a picture of salvation. What a picture of grace. This man's life was ruined in criminal activity from his youth up. But at the last moment, and the last breath, at the last day, the worst day of his life, you revealed yourself to him and you saved him. Bless us today, Father God, as we look at the power of the word of God in Jesus' name. You know, it's interesting when you see the two texts, uh, critics have always brought forth, you know, uh, the, the contradiction or the apparent contradiction of these two texts. Uh, I'm not going to get into all the technicalities. I'll say what most conservative Christian scholars believe, and we believe at this church, is that both criminals were scoffing at Christ. But somewhere in there, that one criminal had an aha moment. And at the worst moment, as he there hanged, dying and being scoffed at with the Christ, and hearing the mocking of Christ, and the mocking of Christ, and the mocking of Christ, something happened to him. Whether he drew upon his experience as a young Jewish boy, whether he heard things about Jesus Christ, maybe even things Jesus said himself, at the moment, the worst moment of his life, he had enough in him to cry out for forgiveness. Basically what he was saying that you are innocent, we are not. Please, when you enter into your kingdom, he knew he was a king. He could see the inscription over Jesus, Jesus, king of the Jews. It was written right there. This criminal, all on his own, seemingly all on his own, we know now that the Holy Spirit opened up his heart right there to be saved. The only thing the criminal knew was some elementary, and don't forget this, please, it's part of the message, were just some elementary teachings of Christ. There was no theologian there explaining the cross. There was no preacher, evangelist, preaching to be saved. All there was was the hanging, dying Christ. And what little bit of information this thief had was enough for the Holy Spirit to take, open up his heart, basically recant for what he said in the beginning of the ninth hour. It was probably about the ninth hour when they were first crucified that he yelled those things at Christ. But somewhere as he lay there in agony over the next three to four hours, he had the aha moment and he realized he deserved what he was getting, but Christ didn't. And he had enough whereabout at his last moments of his life to look to Christ and say, remember me. Now, you want you to think about this. This is about the power of the word of God. Don't miss this. 
More can be said about the criminal, but we'll not spend it. Tonight's theme is the power of the word of God. Elementary understanding in the most unfertile ground you could be. Everything around that cross was unbelief. The Jewish priests were there, unbelief. The high priests were there, unbelief. The Pharisees and the scribes, they were the preachers of, of the law, unbelief. The elders mocked him. His own disciples deserted him. You could not find a more unfertile ground to find faith in Jesus Christ, but guess what happened? He got saved. And you can rest assured we will see him dancing in heaven one day. So just to let us know that sometimes we think everything has got to be great. We got we to gotta make sure everybody's looking happy. Come on, everybody, look happy. What a happy church, you know? And, but understand something. There are some churches that try to make it sound like it, everything's got to be good. The sound system's got to be perfect. We want it perfect. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's hot in here. Your air conditioner is not working. Sometimes nothing stops the word of God. That's the point. We don't have to try to dress it up at all. The cross was nothing less than one bloody mess. Besides Christ being crucified and mocked, so were the criminals. There was nothing but bloodshed everywhere. This was not a place you would have an altar call. This is not a place to have a cup of coffee and let's talk about salvation. Let's talk about a new life with Jesus. Let's talk about following Jesus. This was not fertile ground. It was so unfertile, but yet, even on his last moment, Jesus Christ bore fruit. Can you see it? That's the point. You don't have to dress it up. Jesus is who he is. I don't have to make Jesus look better, sound better, or be better. He is almighty God. And he does things his way. And we follow that. So as far as application, when I see this, I can just be myself. When I share Christ with people at the gym or wherever I am, I try to share it as much as I can. I don't have to try to put on any airs of religiosity. I don't have to make it sound better. I don't come to the church. We got 10,000. We got a swinging band. I heard a guy tell me that. I said, how's your church? We got the best band. I said, next about the band. I said, how's the church? But to a lot of people, the band is the church. I said, no, I want to hear the preaching. Church don't begin until someone opens up the Bible and explains it. That's where the power is. The power is in the explanation of Jesus Christ. First, you proclaim Christ. Then you explain Christ. Then you understand Christ. And then you receive Christ. That's how it happens. You proclaim unashamedly, Jesus is the son of God, just like the thief on the cross knew. He knew he was the king. He knew he was the son. He knew he was innocent. And he knew he wasn't innocent. He was guilty. Those are the elementary basic understandings of Christianity. And only in a basic understanding, understand something, when God wants to save somebody, he could be on a deserted island. It could be his last breath, 
and here comes a bottle washed up on the shore, and he opens up the bottle, and there's a faded piece of paper that says, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten. That's all, that's, that's all he would need to be saved. God can save a man with his last breath with only one truth. So as we go around sowing seeds, don't look if he's a criminal. Don't. Everybody, Jesus says the world is the field. It makes no difference who it is. You talk to him about Christ. We are called to share our faith. And what I'm trying to do out of these sermons is take the apprehension away. Understand something. The burden is not on us. Jesus does all the heavy lifting. The Holy Spirit does all the heavy lifting. Do you want to share your faith more? Love, love Christ. He who loves Christ shares Jesus. I got no problem sharing Jesus because I love Jesus. I got no problem showing people pictures of my wife. I love my wife. And if I had children, I'd show you pictures of my children. Why? I love my children. Fall in love with Jesus. And he does all the rest. I want to share another one over here. Let's go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 2 to 10. Starting in verse 2, this Apostle Paul, he's writing to a church called the Thessalonians. This church is only three months old. Remember that. Three months. This is a very young church. Paul had just birthed this church on a preacher ministry tour. They chased him out of town like they always chased the Apostle Paul out of town, throwing rocks at him and stoning him. And so he had to leave this place three months ago. So now listen to the Apostle Paul. We give thanks to God always for you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers. Remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and labor of love and steadfast hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Listen to Paul. For we know, brothers loved by God, that he has chosen you. How does Paul know that? Because our gospel message came to you not only in word but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. You know what kind of men we proved to be among you for your sake. And you became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. For not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth, from you in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere so that we need not say anything. For they themselves report concerning us the kind of reception we had among you and how you turned, listen to the Thessalonians, you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who deliver us from the wrath of of God. These people Paul went to preach. If you read in the book of Acts and you go there and, and Paul was on a missionary tour, Paul was the type of guy, he waits in the morning. In the morning, he would go to the marketplace. In the marketplace, he would set up tent and he would start talking about Jesus Christ to anybody who walked by. That was his natural MO. 
He went into a place that knows nothing about Christianity, maybe a little bit about Judaism. They were all pagans. They were all idolaters. They, they worshipped a, a pantheon of different gods. They were bound hand and foot into idolatry, into superstition. They'd never heard about a one true living God. Here comes the Apostle Paul. He's just an itinerant philosophical preacher again. But he starts to preach, and all he, he has no fanfare. There's no big marching band following Paul. There are no banners. There's no tambourines. There's no people around him. He's there by himself, maybe with a couple other people. He's in the marketplace, and there he is. He's preaching. He's telling the people that Jesus Christ is saving us from the wrath of God and guess what happened people got converted he didn't have a meeting with his elders and say well how are we going to how are we going to convert these people you know they're so steeped into idolatry there must be some secret way you know he doesn't say that all he did was open up his Old Testament scriptures and start proclaiming Jesus Christ is the Son of God. God raised him from the dead, and he's coming back to judge the living and the dead. And whoever puts their faith in him and repents of their sins, God will save him from the wrath of God to come. That was his message. And they flocked. He says, our word did not come in word only, but in power. Do you know what that means? You see, many times Paul preached, and guess what? Nothing happened. As a matter of fact, they stoned him, and they beat him many, many times. So when he went to a place, and all of a sudden he started preaching, he's like, are they going to throw rocks at me, or are they going to love me? And all of a sudden, the Thessalonians charged at him and embraced him, and embraced the message. That's how he knows they were chosen by God. He opened up his mouth, and they received the message in full conviction. You know what that means? There was no long, studious Bible teachings. Sometimes we still got to do that. People have a lot of questions. They said, Paul, we believe. This is miraculous. This is revival. All he did was speak. And understand something about Paul. Paul wasn't some kind of dynamic, you know, engrossing charismatic figure, tall, dark, and handsome. Paul was most likely, he didn't speak well. He, he didn't pronounce his words well. He was sort of short. He's an older man now. This is probably AD 50. He's a little beaten up because he's been shipwrecked. He's been stoned to death. He's been whipped five times. Uh, they gave him lashes four times. He's been through the ringer. But yet when he spoke about Jesus, things happened. Again, we don't have to dress it up. Speak to your loved ones. Speak to your co-workers. Tell them what Jesus has done for you. Don't try to make it sound better than it is. You know what, you know what Paul told them? Jesus will save you from the wrath of God. When's the last time you went to a church and they spoke about the wrath of God? Is that politically incorrect today too? You can't speak about the wrath of God in a church? Didn't stop Paul, and it didn't stop Jesus. The thief on a cross didn't want the wrath of God. He wanted to be in the kingdom with Christ. Amen. And the only way people get out of the, under the wrath and into the kingdom, you got to tell them that the king has came, and he paid the price of your wrath. The Holy Spirit does all the rest. The Holy Spirit does the convincing. The Holy Spirit does the wooing. The Holy Spirit does the drawing. 
We don't have to watch and see what's going on over there. We preach and we wait. Like the farmer who sowed the seed and he went to bed, how it sprouted, he knows not now. That's how it works. I don't know why. All I know is one day I went into a church because my wife went to church. And Kimmy went to church. And they have the same silly smile now that they had 30-something years ago. My first introduction into, this, into biblical Christianity is I came home to my house. No big deal. But there was a party in my house. It was Kimmy's baptism. We had our baptism yesterday, and we went out for nice food afterwards. Well, when Kimmy got baptized, they went to my house. No one asked me, but praise God. <laughs> I was the last to know. I knock on my own door. I go in, and someone opens up. Who is this guy? I love this brother now. Big African-American guy. I love him. Willie Cole. He had the, the biggest smile, man. He's like, praise God. Hallelujah. I'm like, who are you? I see Kimmy dancing around the house. And I'm like, where's my pool cue? I'm getting out of this mess. But a couple of weeks later, I walked into church and I realized that though I have everything, I don't have Jesus. I have religion. I could have I told you to creed. I could have said Humpty Dumpty fell off the... Humpty Dumpty had a... And all the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't... Jesus died for your... Jesus is the son of... Jesus was born of the, it's a recital. That's all it was for me. It was a recital. It was all here, but nothing was in here. And after I saw that party, I wanted nothing to do with them. But guess what? The power is in the word. They didn't have to change anything. Eventually, I heard the message. I went to church and I said, Jesus, be my savior. It's as simple as that. They didn't try to win me over by doing anything. Terry didn't apologize for the party. Kimmy didn't have to explain baptism. Do you get the point? The Thessalonians didn't have to, Paul didn't have to do nothing but be honest. Speaking the truth in faith brings the power of the Holy Spirit. I ask you this, do you want to be a good sower of the kingdom of God? All you got to do is be honest with the truth and genuinely love people. Really in your heart, have people's best interests, especially spiritual interests. As human beings, we could care for each other's greatest needs. We can feed each other and clothe one another. We can do that. But only the Christian, listen, only the Christian can value another human being's soul created in the image of God. Only the Christian can do that. That's why as Christians, I don't see black, I don't see white, I don't see rich, I don't see poor, I don't see gay, I don't see straight. I see none of that at all. When someone I see, I see them eye to eye contact, I see a human being created in the image of God. And that's what Jesus saw on the cross with the criminal. He saw someone created in the image of God. When Paul went to Thessalonica and all he saw were pagan temples anywhere and he saw idolaters, he didn't see that. He saw men and women 
created in the image of God. You and I have to remember that. Everybody's created in the image of God and no stereotypes. God shows no partiality. He's not partial one and the other. He loves us all just the same and he wants us to go out as an army of men and women gripped with the love of God and gripped with the love for people and share with them what Jesus has done for us. That's all it takes. One of our... Well, Brother Brian yesterday was sharing with me. Me and Brian know each other 40 years, you know. And uh, he shared with me what the word of God did to him yesterday. He said, Brian, nothing could have changed me but the word of God. Every time he came, we accepted him. Every time he came, we loved him. Every time he came, we embraced him. Every time he came here, he heard truth. And the Holy Spirit takes care of all the rest. I don't have to sit there and browbeat somebody with all my biblical knowledge. and don't have to do that don't have to do that you don't have to be a scholar to lead someone to Christ all you got to do is love people and love the Savior God will do all the heavy lifting all we got to do is share our faith let's go to another verse of scripture in John chapter 6 and I really want you to listen to that this is a hostile crowd we're going to read something very hostile in the book of John This was not a safe place right now for Jesus. He just gave one of the toughest teachings in the New Testament. Where are we? 52. Okay. <clears throat> this is just after he fed the 5,000. And uh, everybody's coming back for more free food. That's what's going on here. There's a food pantry now. So we're in the middle of a food pantry. So get a picture. Everybody who got fed the day before, guess what? They're all coming back. But guess what they're coming back for? More food. Not the message. So Jesus says to this, he goes, The Jews then disputed among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? And Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man, think about it, you're talking to Jews, they don't even eat pork. Let's get this right. All right, they don't even eat pork, and here's Jesus saying, you got to eat my flesh. All right, they don't know about the sacraments yet, so Jesus is giving to them in an elementary form here. If you don't eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, how morbid, this is as cultish as you can get. You have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, I live because of the Father. So whoever feeds on me, he also will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not like the bread your fathers ate and they died. Exodus, whoever feeds on this bread, faith in Christ, will live forever. Jesus said these things in the synagogue. He's in the synagogue. And he's telling them, listen, you have to feast on me. He's not giving them an explanation. He's just giving them some real hard truth. Jesus said these things in the synagogue as he taught at Capernaum. When his disciples heard this, they said, this hard saying, who can listen to it? They were basically covering their ears and saying, you're mad. He's a madman. But Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling about this, said to them, Do you take offense at this? 
then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who those were who did not believe and who it was who would betray him. And he said, this is why I told you no one can come to me unless the Father grants him to come to me. After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with Jesus. Could you imagine going into a, could you imagine a congregation of 10,000 people? I mean, that can really get to your what? get to your head can you imagine you're the speaker everybody's following everybody wants to hear and you give a message that turns 95% of the people away that's what Jesus just did but he goes on to say this so Jesus said to the 12 do you want to go away also as well Simon Peter talking for all of them Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Let me stop there. Jesus is not placating to the crowd. He's not being pragmatic. He's not getting together with the other apostles and saying, wow, we got 10,000 people following us over here. How are we going to save them? What can we do? What other miracle can we do? We fed them yesterday. They still don't believe. Maybe we'll do another miracle for them. No, he doesn't do that. Matter of fact, he gives them one of the toughest teachings in all the New Testament. To a Jew, you could not get a more offensive teaching to tell a Jew, you must eat of my flesh and drink my blood. To us 2,000 years later, that's Christian talk. That's Christianese. We know that. That's not offensive to any one of us. But 2,000 years ago, you could not get a more offensive teaching in a synagogue. But Jesus didn't care because he knows that no one can come to him unless what? The Father draws them. That was the confidence of Christ. He knows the power is in the word. If I'm talking to a Muslim about faith in Christ, they have preconceived ideas already about Christ. They mock the Trinity. They don't want to hear anything about the Trinity. So sometimes you think, well, I got to explain the Trinity to the Muslim. No, you don't. You got to explain to them the need to be saved. That's what the Holy Spirit does. Yeah, we can try to. You're never going to explain the Trinity to anybody. I want you to know something. We are Trinitarian Christians. You know why I believe in the Trinity? Because the Bible says it and I believe it. They attribute to the Father, deity. They attribute to the Son, deity. And they attribute to the Spirit, deity. That's Trinity to me. I don't have to have a numerical equation explained to me how this works. It's by faith. That's why Peter said this. You have the words of life. Whom shall we go to? We can spend too much time, application now, we can spend too much time over explaining a simple message. Keep it simple. If somebody's asking deep questions, have a cup of coffee with them, sit down. If they're a thinker, wonderful. But you don't have to be the Bible answer man to share your faith. Are you with me? Jesus was depending on God. He wasn't dependent on the crowds. 
He depended on God to draw people to himself. And apparently, God wasn't drawing them because if the God was drawing them, guess what? They would have stayed. Who stayed? The disciples. And what was their answer? Where else are we going to go? You got the words of eternal life. I, I don't understand it all. Jesus, Peter's base said, I don't understand. But when you talk, I feel like I'm close to eternal life. When you talk, I feel close to God. When you talk, I feel like loving God. When you talk, I want to obey God. I, I want to share. I want to love people. When you talk, Jesus, it's like the words of life. Amen. And that's what preaching should do. You go to church, the, the preaching of the gospel should stir us up. Make us passionate in our faith. We live in a kingdom called the kingdom of God where the Holy Spirit is in full charge of everything. Christians need to understand that. That the Holy Spirit is not the third person on the totem pole. You, know, you remember those Indian totem poles? You had the Father, Jehovah, Yahweh. You have the Son, Jesus, Yeshua, and down there somewhere is some guy called the Holy Spirit. No, 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 no. There is no one above the other. They are co-equal, co-eternal, co-powerful, co-God. One is as much as God as the other. The Father planned redemption. The Son paid for redemption. The Holy Spirit applies redemption. Let's get it. The Father planned redemption. The Son paid for redemption. The Spirit applies redemption. All I have to do is be faithful to the love of God and share Jesus and just trust in the Holy Spirit. You are looking at a church, you're looking at a minister, his wife, my, my associate pastor, his wife, the elders of this church, understand something. We don't trust in gimmicks or manipulating at all. We fully trust in the ministry and the power of the Holy Spirit to flood our hearts. Amen. Every time you sit down in the most hostile places, when Paul went to Thessalonica, basically with a couple of his buddies, it couldn't have been more of a hostile ground. But guess what? He trusted in God. When Jesus was on the cross, he trusted in God. When Jesus was preaching this message by the Sea of Capernaum, and the crowds were there, and they were coming on upon him, he just trusted God. He gave the hardest message. Why is it in some churches today you never hear a preacher speak a hard message? What is it? I'll tell you what it is. They don't want to scare the people away. And once you do that, you have scared the Holy Spirit away. The Holy Spirit will have nothing to do in an approach like that. The Holy Spirit backs up the truth. And that is it. When I came to church that day and I got saved and I realized that Jesus, though me and my wife had everything going for us, you were not looking at two people that needed something. I, I needed nothing, I thought. But when I left church that day, I, there was three things I knew. Jesus Christ is God, my sins are forgiven, and the Bible is real. That's it. 
That's over 30 years ago. It's never changed. My sins are forgiven. Jesus Christ is almighty God. And the scriptures is God's infallible word to us. In all matters of life and faith. Let's trust as I close now. Let's trust. Let's share the message. But don't trust in yourself. Trust that God's going to back that message up. When you're sharing your faith with Jesus, metaphorically, like opening up your, your wallet and showing a picture of Jesus, that's what it is when you're talking about Christ. It's like opening up your picture and showing someone that means so much to you. Don't speak about Jesus as some far-off deity. Speak to him as who he is. He's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. He's a comforter. Yes, he's more than a comforter. He's a redeemer and a savior. And he's willing to save even a criminal at the cross who was a moment before was reviling him. But he had an aha moment and he cries out and Christ forgave him. Where else can you find, where else can you go to death row with a message to save someone right before they die I share that when I go to a hospice people go I remember the first time and I share this all the time and I want you to get this because Christians will call the, to go to hospice it's one of the darkest places you can go when the Christian goes we don't go with our faces down we go with the with, we go with the with the answer to life and we go backed up by the Holy Spirit. And we go there and we can offer someone who's dying at the last moment. We could offer them eternal life and joy that they can experience immediately. Where else are you going to get that? Only Christ can do that. We are an army backed up by the Holy Spirit. Let's enjoy Jesus. Let's enjoy the power of the Holy Spirit who backs up our testimony when we show everybody our faith. Everybody take out your watch. Everybody take out your phone and show people a picture of Jesus Christ that you have on your heart. Let's pray. Father, we bless you and we thank you, Father God. And let us learn the lesson from the sower who just gave his message and, and, and all of a sudden things happened. Father, let your church know that when we speak about Jesus, things happen. Father, when we speak about Jesus, sometimes 95% of the crowd leaves. But it's the 5% that stay that you're concerned for, God. Let us all know that we don't have to dress it up. Teach us to truly love all people who've been created in your image. Teach us not to get caught up in stereotypical thinking. Teach us, Father God, not to get caught up in these things, Father God. These are people created in your image, and they need to hear the message of Jesus Christ. In his precious name we pray. Amen. God bless you.